0: Less Doing Episode 113 with Matthew Turner of Turn Dog Millionaire.
1: Welcome to the Less Doing
0: podcast. Less Doing, more
2: living. More living. More living. More living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizel, and this is the Art of Less Doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to episode 113 with Matt Turner, the turndog millionaire. So Matt... Is got a really cool story and a, and, a, and a cool book that he's been working on, which I'm actually a part of. So it was just a really interesting interview, and I, and I like Matt's sort of approach on things. So there's not really a good way for me to sort of summarize. I'll let you guys enjoy the interview. Good morning, Felix. Good morning, mate. How's it going? So we have a lot
0: of... Sorry, you cut out there. Good oh, morning, yeah. Felix. Good morning, mate. How are you doing? <laughs>
2: good. Um, I'm good. Okay, so i got a bunch of links I want to talk about, so I'm going to get right into it. By the way, I want to point out that I just used SHIP again. I love SHIP with a, you know, S-H-Y-P. Death uh, Godin, who apparently answers all of his own emails, which I think is really cool, I just emailed him because I wanted to send him a copy of my book, and he sent me his address. So while we're sitting here, I took a picture of my book, which I just signed, and I'm having SHIP pick it up, and right now for the holidays, they will also gift wrap things for you. So it is being gift wrapped and sent off to Seth, which I love. Hmm, that is so, nice. yeah. Um, okay, so you're going to love this one, Felix. I actually put this one just for you. It's called Snipboard. Did you get a chance to look at this one? Snipboard? No. Yes. Tell me more. Okay. Okay, so this is an iPhone app, and again, you're going to love it. Uh, it's a custom keyboard that you fill in with your own snippets, your email addresses, signatures, or any other pieces oh, of yes, text yes, you I don't want to type this. over and over again at your fingertips. Yeah, that. Yeah, sorry. Carry on.
0: And then I'm going to no. Rude so this, it, this I'm basically it, interrupt.
2: no, no, it's fine. So this gives you it's like keyboard shortcuts, except that in this case, it, it's going to basically pop up and give you like a menu of text to choose from that you're commonly using. So. Pretty cool, pretty cool, I have to say. Um, what I like about this is that you can actually, you, you technically can do this with the keyboard shortcuts also, but this allows you to add in some formatting, which is interesting. And one of the things that I would use this for is when I'm sharing processes with like a virtual assistant on the go, and I don't need to give a a, fan, um, a Evernote link or something like that, I just want to explain something really quick, then that's a really good way to do it.
0: Well that that's true that is good but um one of the things i have to mention is th- this is this looks really cool and i like the way that the the only thing that okay let me back up this is exactly like text expander from what i can tell and i'm a text expander guy and i use this on the mac and it syncs vite and there's a text expander um keyboard for ios 8 which is what this is like um But the cool thing is, is that they my text expander, all my text expander snippets on the Mac, those sync via Dropbox onto my phone, so I don't have to create them on my phone or anything. They're all just right there. Um, So if I type, for example, for example, I've saved, you know, um, the letters F B G to expand into my email address. Now that's a simple one that, as Ari mentioned, you can use with the built-in. Um, keyboard shortcut on I- iOS eight, but something like your address, you can't. I mean, you can do, but it can't. It's not going to put it in um, with each line of the address on a new line. You can't do that in iOS eight, but you can do that on this type of thing, and in, in with Snipboard here, and you can also do that uh, with Text Expander. Um, so yeah. That is a, it's a huge productivity thing because the only difference with expander is you have to memorize your snippets, whereas here it's very clever that they pop up on their own.
2: Right, that's another point. Mm. Yeah. The ones that you actually want to use. So. I wonder if but, Snipboard uh, has a out, way to sync sure. as well. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's really good. Uh, there, I put a link in here to Werewolf. Now, this may not seem like a productivity thing to anybody. Do, do you know what the game Werewolf is, Felix? Like? Um, I don't know the game,
0: but I saw this... I looked at the links here before the show and um, it looks like it's right up my wife and my alley. It's like a dinner party murder mystery type thing. Is that right?
2: Yes. So I really, really, and you guys are the only people I can think of that I would want to play this with actually and I really want to play it. Uh, So first of all, the link that I'm putting up here is that somebody actually made a physical like card version of this and you don't need that necessarily. It's a really nice way to do it, I think. But basically the way the game works is that, so it's between like seven and 20 people. Okay. And what happens So you have a narrator or you have like a, a, a moderator, basically. And then you have one, uh, two people who are werewolves. You have one person who is a doctor or a healer okay. and one person who is a seer. And then everybody else is villagers. OK, so basically the way this works, is, you go around, you're, you have the dinner party, you do whatever you're doing. And then it's and the, the moderator tells you it's daytime. So you're talking, you're doing whatever. And then he says, it's nighttime. Or he or she says, it's night time. So everyone closes their eyes. And then the moderator goes to the to, the two werewolves. And they silently point to who they want to kill. Uh, okay? So, and then they close their eyes again. And then the moderator then goes to the healer. And has them open their eyes. And they get to point to somebody that they want to save. And, they, you know, this is a, it's basically a guess. And then they close their eyes. And they go to the seer. And the seer gets to point to who they believe is the werewolf or not uh, and and the uh, and then the moderator basically confirms yes or no okay. that that is that that is the werewolf okay so then then it then, okay so now it's daytime again is what you see you know and you keep doing this and so it's daytime and then the, the moderator is like okay so you two are dead or you know maybe one of you is saved so you're dead uh, and then the whole group basically gets to discuss amongst themselves who they think is the werewolf and the werewolves themselves are trying to convince everyone that they're not. Yeah. And then at the end, at the end of that day, that quote unquote day, they have to basically agree on who they're going to vote is the werewolf. And if they're right, then the werewolf is killed. And you basically go on and on like this until there's no more villagers or there's only one werewolf left. Okay. Pretty cool. Pretty cool game. Now, how does it tie in with the app and how does that, Oh, okay. There's no app, so this, this is actually like a Kickstarter thing. Somebody made uh, a f- set of physical cards, so you get a oh, card and that,
0: that says if you're a werewolf or a oh, okay. or not. Oh, I thought like maybe the
2: app would like step in to be the moderator or something. No, exactly no, no, I mean. no. So the next link is Zeno, and Zeno is the autonomous, intelligent, swarming nano nanodrone. Of- oh my god, I, I'm so excited about this one. I just yeah, this is
0: so cool. I might uh, actually so- chip in on this.
2: Well, what I, so this is a drone. It's tiny. It fits in the palm of your hand. And the way that they're positioning it is that it's a selfie drone. So, which is actually, I mean, this is really amazing. So, like, not uh, obviously, extreme athletes are going to love this. Like, you're going to dive off a cliff or something, or you're going to you're going to do some really cool skateboarding trick. This thing can fly up and like zoom, like, uh, and narrow film. in on you and film you. Yeah, or hmm. take a picture or whatever, and get really cool angles all by yourself. But the other thing it can do, uh, on a very basic level, is you know you're with seven or eight friends and you're sitting around at a restaurant. You put this on the table; it'll fly up a few feet and it'll take a picture of all of you. So it's yeah. it's so cool. It, I'm it's so God, it's so cool. So so far up my alley. You,
0: because you know what? Yeah. You, know, you know you know what I would love this for, right? What for the kids? <laughs> no, to film me windsurfing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, how great would that be? Or imagine if you're a surfer. I mean, it's impossible to get close-up photos of someone surfing, but you could possibly have this. And the cool thing is that you can have someone use the phone, and it streams the video to the phone. Or right, I'm not yeah. sure if it streams it or it, how it no, does it, will, it exactly. It but you can, like, point the phone to where you want it to go, and it will go there. So if you have a friend on shore... We could just point the phone at you, and point the the camera at where where you are. Right? Or maybe the the drone can follow you. I don't know. Does it? Can it lock onto your position? I watched the video. Yeah, yeah. I think I believe it I can. I mean, that would just just blow my mind. It's freaking yeah. brilliant! Yeah, and it's like only going to like one hundred sixty nine dollars, and if you get into the campaign, it would be one hundred thirty nine.
2: Yep. Yep. Oh, this thing God. is yeah so damn cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, highly. I really recommend this. Um, but there's another Kickstarter campaign I want to mention. This one is not as cool, but it's really useful, and it's called the Plan V, and it is a it's the smallest emergency charger for the iPhone I've ever oh, seen. Yeah, really
0: is, clever, as well. Really clever. How do they do this?
2: So th- this has been something that's uh, it's been really relevant to me recently. Is that uh, a lot of times my phone has been dying like halfway through the day. So I have like, three battery backups now that I carry. Not all three, but I, I always have one with me at least. This is tiny. I mean, this is really, really tiny, and it basically unfolds, and you can attach a nine volt battery to it and yeah, charge it's your phone.
0: A square nine volt battery. So you just what a clever idea! I can't believe it, no one have ever thought of that before. It, so you it can is just so buy clever. A battery anywhere. You can get those things anywhere, anywhere around the world, and just plug that in. I mean,
2: and it, and it's legitimately small and, enough and that you, you could carry take- keychain.
0: Let's say, let's say you want to go on a camping trip, you could order, you know, a box of nine volt batteries, and go yourself, you know, go into the wilderness, you know, and you'd be set. That's Didn't a good point to too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, this you is could incredible. take like a solar charger as well or something. But what
2: a clever idea!
0: Yeah, it's 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 really perfect.
2: Um, okay, so there is a service here that's super useful. It's called Revert.io, and it is a backup service for your cloud-based applications. So you can back up your Evernote. You can, uh, let's see which ones, just to make sure that I'm not speaking out of turn here. It'll back up Tumblr, Evernote, Dropbox, Google Drive, uh, and then uh, even MailChimp, it'll back up. So this is is really great, Evernote particularly, and Dropbox, and I've talked about this before, that Dropbox and Evernote are sort of like my life, like everything's there, Mm. and Having a backup system, which I do currently uh, with another service, but I'm going to be using this one as well, I think, because I love redundancy when it comes to backups, and revert.io, I think this is great. Yeah, really clever. Um, Okay, so now...
0: Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just I like it, and you can't have too many backups.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So now this is one that's, again, this is like an odd version, one for less doing, I just think this is a really interesting tool. Uh, It's called Bondic. Bondic, uh, B-O-N-D-I-C. And this is... So it's a basically... If anyone's ever soldered before, you'll understand this. But basically what this is, is like a plasticky gel stuff that you put on anything you want. You can put it on eyeglasses, you can put it on toys, you can put it on... Uh, it'll bond to anything. And it goes on as a liquid, and then you shine a little ultraviolet light on it, and in four seconds, it's hard.
0: Really? Now, does it... Yeah. It, 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 has it got anything to do with? Um, I mean, will it solder electrical connections? Or was that just it's not analogy? No, it will. It's
2: not, it's not conductive, but it, it will definitely hold things together.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
2: Huh. But four seconds. So it, yeah, that is it's not, amazing. It's really amazing. So what I was thinking about this actually was like for toys. Because uh, I I recently had to glue down Ben's train set so that they wouldn't keep like you know uh, detaching them. But uh, this this would be great for it. It's also like one of the examples they give is doing it inside a fish tank, and you can do it in the water, and then you just shine the light on it, and it it cures oh, in four seconds. Very clever. So this is really amazing stuff. So it
0: doesn't and, have to it doesn't have to dry normally. It just it dries through the. Um it's, it's not it's basically not a glue
2: uh it's not like sticky or anything yeah. it just it just goes on there and then four seconds it's cured not not only dried. it's actually cured because if you notice a lot of times when you use glues it's like you know five minutes to set and then 24 hours to cure this cures in four seconds
0: yeah and the and the and the light is not like some huge light it's a tiny little no, it's single a little huge LED LED size of your thumb yeah yeah it's amazing
2: amazing so uh, that's a really cool one for hobbyists or really for anything around the house. You need a fix or change. Like that's pretty good. So, wow. uh, okay. And the, the last link that I have for today before Felix's link is called E-Angel. And I have to admit, this is a really odd one, but I can see how useful this could be. So basically what this is, is they will correct and improve your language on your outgoing emails. Okay. So you can do as many emails as you want. And it works as a Chrome extension for Gmail. And a human will read the email and improve and correct the grammar and the everything. So on the one hand, maybe there's a privacy issue here. And obviously, you don't want to do this on every single email. But if you're sending emails to people that you're trying to impress maybe or to a boss or to a coworker and you, you don't want to have mistakes and you want to basically get things corrected and sound professional, a human being will actually go in there and correct the email and, and fix it up. So And then they email send it on.
0: They they send it on, or they send it back they to send you? it on they send it on wow that, I guess that would take um that's a really clever idea um, I guess the only issue is being comfortable with it, really, trusting it in them to send it on I mean maybe they can send it back to you if you don't want them to do that you well, yeah, it. and they said you can see the corrections too yeah uh,
2: and and they'll do it in English, Spanish, French, German, and even hebrew wow. um so it is, it is really interesting, uh, and you can do it from yourself from your mobile phone. So basically, you just send an email to fix at eangel.me, and then they fix it. I guess they send it back to it, and only and they do it in minutes. It's wow. corrected in minutes.
0: It's cool. Yeah.
2: So, so um, I, I'm interested to see how people use yeah, this.
0: Especially good for people who are um who who might you know English or wherever they're working, maybe their second language and they're trying to to get Um, work or deal with clients and not, you know, not sound um, you know, not make mistakes that's a really clever system, really clever idea absolutely, Mm.
2: so um, that's all I have for today you have one, right?
0: Yeah, I have one called Carousel Um, it's a photo manager for Dropbox and it displays, you can make albums and display your photos which are backed up to Dropbox. Um, I'm still getting to to know it. I'm trying to really see what the, the key benefit is. But I think the key benefit is that it displays them in a sort of nicer way than it does in Dropbox. And um this is a, an iPhone app, I'm sorry. It's it's an iPhone app and what it does is it saves all the photos from your camera roll to to Dropbox backs them up, just like Dropbox does already, um, but you can create albums and you can easily share to Facebook and things like that directly from um, Dropbox and, and it looks like you can also hide photos and videos and it will also create like a flashback, like a sort of album every so often for you. Anyway, um, I'll let you know how I get on with it um, but um, I just like the sound of it and I like stuff that's involved photos and video and dropbox so i tried it out yeah
2: awesome cool. well thanks all right guys well thanks for listening in uh i believe that this episode is going to come out on new year's so everybody have a i hope you had a happy new year's eve and we look forward to a wonderful 2015 of more more less doing so see you guys on the other side
0: yeah happy 2015 everybody and now for Beecher Interview.
2: So now I'm speaking with Matthew Turner, also known as The Turn Dog, And he's a brand storyteller and author of a new book called The Successful Mistake. So Matt, thanks for taking the time to talk to me.
1: Thank you ever so much, Harry. It's an absolute pleasure to be here.
2: So uh, first thing I actually want to ask you about is... The fact that you, you, can, you refer to yourself as a brand storyteller. Now, story, storytelling is something that I think is important to anybody in any walk of life, being able to tell their story, being able to express themselves properly. And, and, and storytelling is history. I mean, there's just so, many, so much that goes into the word, of, to me, of being a storyteller. So for you, okay. what, what does that mean for you, that you're a brand storyteller?
1: Yeah, well, I'm like you. I, I value stories in so many walks of life. It's how we've passed down information and knowledge throughout the ages. So really, this whole technological advancement that we're in today, it's a practical overnight sensation compared to where we've been throughout history. So storytelling is the building block of life. And I love them. I love surrounding myself with great stories. So whether I'm writing a novel or I'm working on nonfiction, whether I'm speaking or working on workshops, I'm always surrounding myself with stories. Now, my background's in marketing, and I've always had a passion for marketing and branding and communication. And I suppose for a long time, I tried to fit myself into some kind of square peg, even though I'm maybe a bit of a sphere. (laughs) So once i started working for myself and i was ultimately being like a marketing consultant i suppose i realized i was doing things that i didn't like i was trying to convince people and to do things you know in in a particular way and they would just have to like a social media whatever and i was like this isn't me Like, what what do I bring to the table that, you know, isn't out there so much? And I suppose what I discovered was brand storytelling was starting to kind of make the rounds. And it was like, well, yeah, I love brand and I love marketing, but I'm always approaching it in a story type way. I want to go back to the beginning and understand the who and the why. And whether I'm working on a book or whether I'm working with a client, the process I take is ultimately the same each time. It's a similar kind of process. So, yeah, I I sort of threw myself into this idea of being a brand storyteller and working with businesses and primarily sort of manufacturers and companies that make actual physical things, which is quite rare these days, and to try and get them to share the stories behind their products and behind their people and their culture and the heritage of the business. And if you can do that, then you're going to be forming real important, meaningful relationships with your customers. And in a day where we're just bombarded with the standard old messages each and every day, forming a connection is no easy thing. So by sharing your story, you're taking a huge, gigantic box.
2: Okay, so I, and that's, that's, that's a cool way of looking at it, I think, for sure. Now, how did the successful mistake come about?
1: Well... A successful mistake was born from the very, very early days of me working for myself when I was just scared and frightened and didn't really know what I was doing. I I wanted to work for myself and I realized rather quickly I didn't know what I was doing. So I approached every entrepreneur and person I knew who had their own business and I was just asking them for advice and, you know, just show, show me the way basically. And everyone was telling me these stories about... mistakes they would made or failure or some kind of obstacle or piece of adversity they had to overcome rather than their success and when they were making money but they weren't doing it in a doom and gloom kind of manner it was with you know a smile on their face it was like it was a badge of honour of sorts and I've always looked at mistakes as a valuable thing um, ultimately their lessons and I, my mantra has always been you've got to put someone into a position where they can make a mistake because if you don't you're just stifling them we will never be able to reach their potential but I suppose growing up and going through university in school mistakes are something that's pushed into us you know we're scared of them it's Reading Connor's homework, it's detentions, it's failed tests, it's losing your job, and I was scared of making mistakes. But I realized, wow, these these entrepreneurs here who are proud of their mistakes. So I figured, how amazing would it be if I spoke to a couple hundred entrepreneurs about their great mistake and how they turned it into a, a successful mistake? I suppose. And well, share yeah, this. Yeah,
2: not to interrupt you, but you know, I guess in some ways, it's only really a mistake if you don't learn from it, right?
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah and you know the only way you sort of fail at something is if you finally give up and the only way to really make mistakes is if you just refuse to acknowledge the fact that it is one and like you say just make it time and time again um so ultimately i just wanted to create a book where i would share all these amazing stories um connect with a bunch of incredible people um which is now standing at over 150 and, yeah, hopefully share the, the premise to the new entrepreneur that mistakes are going to happen. You cannot avoid them. And it's how you embrace them and it's how you adapt to them and it's how you sort of are conscious about them and are willing to turn them around, which will be the difference between it being a mistake or not, I suppose.
2: Well, so what, what do you think has been one of your bigger mistakes maybe that you've learned from in your entrepreneurial existence?
1: Um, There's been a few, (laughs) as often is the case I've found. Um, But one was with an early client of mine and I was working with him on a brand story video of his. And we, we had some meetings, we had some good meetings and I felt like we were on the right page and we went into the whole process So I, I kind of mocked out what I wanted and what the video would look like. And I arranged with, you know, the location and all this kind of thing, but it was a tight budget. So it was all rather bootstrapped and off the cuff. And I went into the day, you know, with this mindset of like, we're on the same page. We know what we're doing. Everything's going to be okay. But on the day, little bits came up, which made me think, "Hmm, maybe we're not quite on the same page. But it's fine because we'll get through this. And it was a hectic day and it was all a bit crazy, but we got through it. So it was fine. And then I started the editing process and it took me, you know, a few days, sent it to him, made a few amendments, sent it to him back. But there was still no real um, sort of confusion on conflict at this stage. Everything was going, you know, rather well. I was just making iterations and amendments and it got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to finish it this weekend. I'm going to make the final changes that you've said and then we'll take it from there. Okay. No problem was his answer. So I spent the weekend finishing it all off, putting a nice bow and ribbon around it. And then I sent it to him on a Monday and I didn't hear anything. And by then he got to like the Friday, still not heard anything. And I thought, well, I'll give him the weekend. He's a busy guy. And I'll chase him up, you know, Monday, Tuesday. Still not heard nothing over the weekend. So I chased him up early following week, and just heard nothing again. And it was p- pushing on two weeks before I heard anything back. And at this point, it was like, wow, there was clearly some miscommunication. There was clearly some conflict. He's obviously not happy. I don't quite know what the issue is, um, but not all is well in this world. When he finally did get back to me, he had like a list of things that he didn't like and he was He was going on about how he wasn't as happy with certain things that happened on the day and in the lead up and things that weren't really mentioned. And he started talking about the initial meeting and I was able to remind him that we'd agreed on certain things. And he was like, no, but we didn't. And I suppose (laughs) the long story short was we were just not on that right page. Disconnected. Yeah, it was. And we were disconnected the entire time. And whether, you know, I was blind to the fact or whether he was, you know, you know, he kind of just decided at a different point. was like, actually, I don't like this. I don't want to pay money for it. So I'm just going to come up with an excuse or whether he wasn't, you know, just brave enough to kind of like say it as it was beforehand. I'm, I'm not too sure to this day. But the big mistake in it all was I didn't really have a robust system and process in terms of like the paperwork I'm not a huge paperwork guy. To be honest, I live under the thing, if someone's going to screw me over, they're going to find a way to screw me over whether there's paperwork involved or not. And this wasn't a huge project. So it was like, well, if, you know, I end up not getting paid for it, it's not going to be the end of the world. I'm a trust kind of guy. And that hasn't changed. Um, You know, a situation like that hasn't changed that. But... What I now do is I make sure that I document our meetings and I come up with a process where I'm able to share a Google Docs with them and say, well, this is what we're deciding. This is what we're doing. This is what's going on. And you're able to look at this all the time. And I need you to sign certain things off before we move on to the next step to make sure that we are on the right page. In part, you know, it was definitely down to me at the end of the day. He was my client. I'm the, I'm the person getting paid for it. It's my job to make sure that we're on the right page page and we're getting things done but you know he could have also been more and for front with it all so i learned that you can't just go into client work without having a process in place whether it's something strict and legal and binding sometimes you need that that's fine but sometimes all you need to do is just come up with some kind of process that will actually tick the boxes as you go along and make sure communication is ongoing because once you lose that communication on this occasion it was never really there in hindsight then bad things are going to happen so it was a massive mistake from my hand but I'm so glad it happened with an early client where the budget wasn't so big because like I said now I do have that process in place and I feel like I'm able to provide a better service and better value because people are able to actually see into my process, and that kind of transparency, I think, is really important these days, especially coming at it from a storytelling point of view, like I do.
2: Yeah, and that's a, so. The communication thing I always find is interesting because it's actually something that comes up a lot in my work as well, where I find that that is one of the. Common denominators when I'm dealing with people of very levels. So you know whether I'm dealing with a solopreneur or a small company or a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, the issue of communicating your needs and what you want and having your team understand that and you know get it back to you in the right way. Because that's what I hear a lot from people, even mm-hmm. at a very high level who have really great teams in place. They'll say, you know, I I I think that I'm saying something, and I want this done, and then what I get back is not what I wanted and And I think that there's two sides of that right there's There's the one side that maybe you're not clear in your own mind about what you want uh and then of course, your ability to communicate that effectively and that's that is that's one of the things I work on, but not from the sort of storytelling point of view, more from the process point of view and it's just kind of interesting to hear that overlap for me.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and the stupid thing is that I always say that it, an idea isn't real until you write it down on paper, because what's in your mind is one thing. But to be able to communicate that and elaborate on that to you know people, whether it's through verbal or through writing, is a completely different being. So whenever I approach a project from a sort of storytelling point of view, when I'm writing a book, I'm like, it's not real. Well, it remains in my head. It needs to kind of get down there. And I took the exact same approach all those years from a marketing point of view. Until you put things down on paper, it's very difficult for it to kind of feel real because you don't know whether it's coming across in a way that you did. So we were having these conversations and it felt like we were on the right line. But until we actually wrote down a structure, then you just don't know. So I suppose that was a mistake in hindsight too. The fact that I'd been seeing... You know, it's preaching all these years to write stuff down to make sure it's real, and I didn't even do it with a client, so it's pretty crazy. Yeah,
2: that's true. You know, it's very easy sometimes to uh, come up with these systems and then not practice what you preach, of course. So that's that's a very fair point. So, what does that process actually look like for you when you're, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it varies somewhat from client to client. But how do you dig into someone's story? Like, where do you start? What's your methodology like?
1: Um, I split it up into discovery, creating and a sharing process. So I suppose if we were backwards, the sharing would be, you know, focusing on the audience and, you know, where they are and who they are and how to best kind of communicate with them. The creating side of things is, I suppose, the nuts and bolts. So be it the about page or a website or the, uh, the video, whatever it might be. But it all begins with the discovery process. And I use a mixture of lateral, disruptive and artistic thinking to really delve deep into the individual of a business story to try and figure out the big who and they big why, because the standard thing is we focus so much on the what and the how, what we do and how we improve stuff and the kind of products that we put out there. But that comes later, that comes more in the creating process. The things I want to know, I want to play devil's advocate. I want to delve deep and find out, you know, why you started your business in the first place and who you truly are and who your staff is and what that culture entails because that's where the message is and in order to tell a really brilliant brand story you have to unearth that uvp you have to unearth what that message is and until you've got that then well the rest of it is kind of pointless because you're just going to be doing the standard old communications and it just becomes a standard old marketing trick. And that was the world I kind of got away from. So it's a very emotional and sort of psychological approach into unearthing what that message is and take it from there. So, yeah, I kind of delve deep and try and get peel away those layers like you would with an onion, because what people think is their story often isn't the case. We're pre-programmed and we're a little bit biased. And when you actually unlayer everything, you start to see, oh, well, this is actually the message. This is kind of what we should be basing the story from. And then bit by bit, it starts to unravel and the creating and the sharing process becomes much easier.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And what kinds of clients you typically find yourself working with?
1: Um, I've basically trying to um, focus more on manufacturers and businesses who build things. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, actual makers more often than not. And the other side of things are social projects. So maybe like a festival, for instance, or some kind of local um, off- offset of a, of a government agency because the reason for the community projects is it usually surrounds people. And where there are people and communities, there are stories. And the reason I like to work with manufacturers and physical makers is because whenever you're actually using something with your hands and you're getting into the nuts and bolts of the business and you're doing the making process, again, the stories, it's one thing to talk about a product sitting on a shelf from a sort of consumer point of view. But it's another thing going into the making of that product and seeing where the different ingredients come from and how hands on the whole process is. Um, so, for me, that's kind of where the, the real stories lie. So, it's not to say you wouldn't work with a consumer brand, because if you were to work with someone like Apple, for instance, they still make their products. Um, but I wouldn't, for instance, be looking to work with like a supermarket or a chain of stores that, you know, just bring a lot of other products together
2: gotcha <clears throat> now what are you sort of excited about for the future of Turn Dog and of the successful mistake and you know what sort of what's next there's always
1: got to be a next right <laughs> oh there's always a next there's too many next that's my biggest problem I think. Too many, <laughs> i'm always working on the next idea before i've implemented the current one um, At the minute i'm doing the third iteration of my brand so I'm just working on a new website, so that will hopefully start to take shape in the coming weeks. And all eyes really now, other than obviously trying to just grow the the business organically and tick away with clients, a big focus is on the success and mistake. Um, I will probably run in some kind of crowdfunding campaign in the next few months, either towards the end of 2014 or the early parts of 2015 i'm really sort of trying to drive my pr activities with guest postings and a lot of content strategy and um, to just have people join me on the journey of a successful mistake I, I i see it as a true crowdfunding book you see i've involved 150 plus people to help me write the book in terms of interviewing these amazing entrepreneurs and i'm bringing that close process to a close and it feels <laughs> like i'm starting a new chapter where I'm now able to involve readers and say, well, look into the writing process, see how I write. I want to share the ins and outs with you. I want to share the snippets. I want to ask you what um, I should be doing for the cover and what kind of perks you'd like to see. And just opening up the entire writing process so people can just kind of unearth what it actually takes to write a book and I've written books before and it can be quite a lonesome act so I want to involve as many people. So that's kind of taken a lot of my at least online focus just a lot of guest posts a lot of podcasting and yeah just trying to sort of build that successful mistake community in the lead up to the crowdfunding campaign and after that the publication.
2: Great. So the last question I always like to ask on the podcast here is what are your top 3 tips for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like, and it can really come from anything that you've ever learned. But what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective?
1: Okay, nice, nice. Well, I'm gonna try and keep them on the topic of just building relationships, because the one thing that I've learned above anything, above absolutely everything with the successful mistake is the value of just meeting people. I mean, I, I met you, Ari, who, um interviewing for the successful mistake. And I can't put a price value on the amount of connections that I've made because of this book. So I think in order to be effective as an entrepreneur these days, you have to really reach out and try and involve yourself in the lives of other people. So whether that's podcasting and interviewing people, whether it's guest posting, whether it's just reaching out to say hello, um, I think that's a huge part of the process. So if you want to be effective, try and build your network as much as possible. So that leads me to the second thing, because it's not about quantity, it's about the quality. So you can't just, you know, create these posts where you reach out to 50 people and have them share a one line Know tip for social media, and then just leave it at that. You know that can be a great way to get into someone's world, but then you need to follow it up. So I use a, a system called Contactually, which reminds me every sort of five or six weeks to to basically follow up with someone. And I try and get creative with it. Sometimes I'll write letters. Sometimes I'll do video email. Sometimes it'll just be a simple email or a tweet. But once you start those relationships, they're really truly important aspect of it is to nurture them and build on them and make sure that you're being consistent. I mean, I suppose the third part of being effective is to always take a step back every now and then and say, am I asking for too much? And if the answer is yes, and more often than not it is, what can I give to bring more value to this network of people which I've grown and I'm nurturing? It's something that's so tricky for me to balance because when you're writing a book and you're trying to, you know, always ask people to, can you introduce me to this person or can you, you know, share this tweet or whatever, you feel like you're constantly asking. So I think it's important to take a step back and think, well, what can I offer today? And sometimes it's just a thank you and that can be all the difference. But sometimes you can help other people in a more tangible way, whether it's sharing, whether it's buying or whatever. So I think those three things combined, you know, developing your network, nurturing it and then providing value and helping. I think that will just create a very effective entrepreneurial lifestyle, whatever um, sort of entrepreneur you are, whether it's, you know, a writer, whether it's business owner whatever it might be um because if you build relationships good thing will happen whether it's today or tomorrow or six months down the line relationships are the key to success in my opinion anyway
2: yeah i think those are i think those are wonderful and i think the 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 point is very well made so matt where where can people find out more about you find out about the book and 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 everything else we're going to have links in the show notes of course but what's the best place for people to find out more
1: Fantastic. Well, hopefully by the time this goes out, my um, website turndog.co will be up and running. But if not, you might want to check out turndogmillionaire.com. It'll lead you ultimately to the same place eventually. Um, But I'm not too sure how long the website will take to implement in terms of the successful mistake if you just type in bit.ly forward slash successful for mistake it will take you there and yeah please if you do end up subscribing to this journey and delving into the writing process from this podcast shoot me a hello and let me know that it was Ari who sent you because I love to know where people come from and I'm sure Ari you would love to know that people are finding new content f- for the means of your podcast and it sort of Finds my idea when I find stuff out
2: absolutely well Matt thank you so much for your time and this has been a really fun conversation and
1: talk to you soon thank you ever so much cheers
2: hello everyone thanks for
0: listening to the less doing podcast if you want to find out more information of the show we would love to hear from you you can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog see the show notes for this episode and also look at all the other episodes before this if you want to send us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Meisel, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.